This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Denham Hess, who is the CDO for BDO. So, uh, Denham, thank you very much for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. No, it's no problem at all. Had a bit of a ring to it, that, the CDO yeah. for BDO. Um, <laughs> no, no. There you go. through that myself. <laughs> um, so where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, and journey to date, as you'll know, as you just told me that you listened to a few episodes. So uh, yeah, yeah, if you take it away for us, please. Yeah, so I suppose the first thing to say is that, you know, when I was at university, I had no idea that I wanted to go and work in data. And, you know, I actually don't think I even appreciate that it was a, it was a career option um, at all, I think. When I went to university, I thought, you know, I want to go into marketing and advertising. And um, I enjoyed at A-levels things like psychology and business. And for me, that was the the intersection. I suppose I quickly realized when I was applying for jobs with big ad agencies that it just wasn't for me. Um, I don't know if you've ever looked at kind of the job ads for that. They asked some very quirky questions. I remember one being, you know, what what's the best piece of advice your mother's ever given you? I thought that's probably quite a good question, but it just really made me think that this isn't the industry for me. It was far too creative, I think. So I, I did what most people probably do and just thought, you know, I'm interested in business. I know that I want to work in, in some area of business. I don't know where. So I kind of set my eyes and sights on consulting. Uh, we get that variety of experience. Um, so whilst I was at university with a friend, I started, uh, we started our own business. It was a not, not for profit organization. Uh, we called it Lancaster Consultaire, which we thought was very clever. Consultaire means consulting in Latin. Um, and basically, we took kind of students, got this collection of students from the management school, um, and we offered free consulting services to small local businesses. And it was it was really great. We did lots of cool things. We joined kind of two web design agencies together. We valued a Norwegian shipping company. We developed a new service line for a physiotherapist. Like it was all advisory work, but it was, you got to kind of really get into the problems and, and think about different, uh, different cases, which, which we loved. So after uni, I got into Deloitte, uh, joined their consulting team. And it was there that I found data analytics as a career. Um, the first project that was on, it was a mortgage regulation project. Um, but actually I got given this kind of small piece of analysis to do is, you know, Excel based. And I loved it. I was very junior at the time. And I remember being in this meeting. I wasn't taking minutes and, you know, I wasn't kind of just clicking onto the next slide. I was talking through insights that we had found from some analysis and people kind of sat up and listened to that. And it kind of sparked something within me that I, I kind of just saw what data could do and how it could influence people within a business and how it was seen almost as fact. Um, and, and I really liked that. So 
I moved within Deloitte. I moved to Deloitte Digital into the analytics team, and that's really where it grew for me. Uh, I spent five and a half years there. Started in a, a kind of, I suppose, a relatively technical ro- role, not that overly technical, but building tactical BI solutions. So this is when Tableau and things were making a big splash. Um, moved on to leading kind of smaller teams, smaller engagements as part of bigger Deloitte programs, and then ended up, I suppose, at the end of those five years, selling and leading big data programs of work in financial services and running a big kind of data managed service for, for Deloitte. And actually the last, my last client at Deloitte was Prudential. Um, and it was there really where I was leading and delivering on this, this big data program and the managing director at the time said, why don't you come join us? They didn't have a data function and the opportunity to go there and build out an internal data team from scratch was really, really appealing. I loved it. It was greenfield. It was kind of an uncharted landscape. Um, I really felt like I got to own and shape and drive how data was being thought of within the organization. And that was really what inspired me and motivated me. Um, and we did loads of really interesting things. I think, you know, it came at an interesting time for the company. Prudential merged with M&G. So it's now on the FTSE 100 as M&G rather than Prudential. Um, but, you know, we moved from Word documents and PowerPoints being the reporting tool to having dashboards everywhere. We're using ML and algorithms to allocate, you know, the right prospects out to financial advisors. We're using data to understand our carbon impact. Um, and, and lots of other things, you know, we built this big partnership with women in data. It's kind of big DNI drive that we had there about gender parity and equality in, in the industry. So all of that kind of stuff created this really great feeling within the team there as a really Really good spirit. So love, love the four and a half years there. Um, and then I come to today, I, I got offered a chief data officer role at, at BDO. Um, and really that was what I was looking for. I was, I was the director of data energy and this was the natural kind of next step for me in my career. Um, and I liked what BDO uh, had going on. I think it's an interesting, interesting industry where there's the opportunity to do lots more with data. Um, so here I am four and a half months in through the honeymoon period and into the thick of that nice you've passed the the 100 day mark which obviously is the is the kind of theme of the of the topic today i guess for anyone that's not too familiar with bdo just give us a very high level overview of you know the business who it is what it does etc yep so bdo is it's a global brand i suppose it's the first thing to say so it's got kind of member firms around the world i think we're in 160 countries um and i work uh, for the uk firm we offer audit tax and advisory services we're a professional services firm and we're kind of in the top six in terms of the largest in terms of revenue so ten thousand people 800 million pound or over 800 million pound of revenue last year so a big firm offering a really wide broad variety of services across audit tax and advisory yep nice makes uh makes perfect sense um i guess in terms of your role and responsibility then um and we're going to get into the fact that this is the first cdo role that, that bdo have had right but um just tell us a little bit about you know the reason for your landing there and i guess what you're tasked with with achieving what you know what what are, what are you hoping for coming out of the other side yeah it's a, it's a good question i think so when one of the things i suppose that enticed me to join was again i talked about prudential being greenfield and this new opportunity to shape and own something it's the same at bdo and i think bdo were very transparent with me about that you know they talk through what they did understand they're very transparent about what they didn't understand and where they needed some expertise to come in i think the really key thing for me was you know what mandate do you have and what what table do you get a seat at essentially i think those are the two big things that you need to think of when you're going to go for a cdo role because that really drives how effective you can be the mandate for me that i've talked about right through the interview and then in my 100 days when I'm going around the business talking to people as I structure it in three broad blocks. One is about leveraging data as an asset. How do you get value out of your data for the organization? The second is about protecting you from the liabilities that come with data, you know, collecting, storing, holding, using data and provisioning data. And the third one, which I think is often missed, is about how you make that operational. So you kind of hear things like data literacy. I think that's part of that. It's not the whole thing. You think about data culture. I think that's part of that. It's not the whole thing. I think about you need to make sure to have an impact with data 
that you are able to influence the way the organization operates. Because ultimately, you need to be able to put it in the places where decisions and actions are made so that it can have an impact. So you need to work out those things. You need to have that kind of influence. And that's what BDO kind of understood, I suppose, in many ways through the interview process of what I wanted to do with the role and where I wanted to take it. And so it was, it was quite an interesting process. I, I felt like in many ways I got to kind of shape it through the interview process. Um, and that was exciting. And it's, you know, I've come in with no surprises. I'm 100 days in and there's been no surprises. I don't feel like anything's um, kind of snuck up on me necessarily. So, um, yeah, that, that was really what drew me into BDA. Nice, nice. Um, so there's look, tons to unpack in here and I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I guess one thing that you touched upon there that I think could be really useful for the audience to to kind of try and have a bit more understanding of, shall we say, is um, you talked about, B, you know, you felt that BDO understood that for you to be effective, there needed to be some some kind of change happen, right, in terms of you, you being able to influence how the business operated. Have you got any kind of tangibles around what made you feel that way? Was there any kind of giveaways or telltale signs as to, you know, um, what made you feel that they understood that that was going to be an important part of this role? Yeah. So I think the first, so again, it, it kind of came about through the conversations on mandate. And I suppose a, a kind of a small bit of advice in there, I think, is if, if you're going through that kind of interview process and you're looking for a role, you know, obviously in many cases you're really desperate to get that role. The allure of the job title can be really strong. But it's that, it's more about are you going to be successful when you're there? Like are you going to do a good job of it? Are you going to enjoy it? Are you going to learn the right thing? So, you know, have conversations with so you don't let it just be question answer and one way traffic. Because really a lot of this stuff came out through that conversation. But um I suppose what what made me realise that I had a seat at the right table and could impact operations. One was they were very clear that it was not a technical yeah they, they they understood that you know the business owned data that it's going to be in the business where there's going to be impact from data and therefore that kind of this role really would be reporting into an operations board i, I think that's a good place for a cdo to sit but really you're trying to do is get data to be part of the way the organization operates it becomes second nature of all the kind of macro micro decisions that are made across the firm so that wasn't in the job description or the job advert, it was it came about through conversations. Um so I suppose there was largely that piece. I think the other bit is BDO is an interesting firm in that it's a partnership. So for those who don't understand a partnership just very briefly, it's you know, if you're on the FTSE one hundred, you've got a share price, you've got your executive committee, maybe of five or six people, your CEO, your CMO, your CDO, whatever. Um Private companies, you've got your shareholders, probably got some form of board as well as around a similar size. A partnership, each partner buys in, they put their money in, and they own that part of the business and they get a profit share. There's no share price, there's no other shareholders other than the partners. So the directive is almost much more federated. You've got 200, 250 partners who are all trying to build their own business effectively under the BDO brand and under the BDO values. And so it creates this really interesting dynamic. Now, there's lots of things that make that more challenging for a CDO role, but one of the big benefits of that is partnerships tend to be very entrepreneurial. You can go and grab something, you can make something happen. Like that's just an instinctive thing of a partnership. And I I kind of knew that from my time when I was at Deloitte, which is a partnership. Um, and so that kind of gave me confidence. And I really feel that there. You know, that it's not kind of winning people over and having debates about mandate remit and things it's like cool you're going to grab that space love it how can it help me yeah you know, it's like you're, you're building your own business within this firm that can help me great i want to be a customer of that um so i think all, all those things came out in conversations um and gave me that confidence yeah that's uh really i guess insightful because i think you know a lot of people as uh as you kind of alluded to right they are attracted to the next logical step in their career, which often will be for many data leaders, a CDO role or, or title. Um, but there is a difference, right, between the role and the and the title, which um, unfortunately, I think, you know, I've seen firsthand many people make decisions in hindsight, they probably wish yeah. they hadn't done to get the title and they've gone in there and not been able to have that influence. So um, that was kind of the, the reason for the question, really. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of 
before you started then so obviously i think we, we want to try to make this about the first 100 days and you know mm-hmm. what what was important what wasn't important how that actually played out etc cetera, etc cetera. but i guess before starting then obviously you've identified some of the 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 great things that you felt were going to help you to be successful but i guess from a potential challenges standpoint did you have anything kind of flagged or identified before joining given the fact that you were going to be the first CDO walking into this role and I guess mm-hmm. you know how did that play out in the wash day to day of you know what actually happened yeah sure so I think I think there's a few things one is it was the first CDO role but it was also the first kind of leadership role within data kind of centrally so if you if you you know, if you used to go into our advisory business where we advise clients externally on data, clearly there's senior people there who know about data. But kind of thinking about data for BDO, it was the first leadership role that was dedicated to data. So so that's the immediate thing you think about, okay, well, what does that mean? Maybe there's not really a data strategy, there's not really owning that data strategy and all the things that come with that talent, technology, you know, bringing data together, that kind of central thinking. Um, so, so I kind of, got the gist of maybe there wouldn't be so much of that when I first joined and that and that is largely true. I think one of the things that I have seen actually that surprised me in some ways is that because that kind of data team that existed didn't have kind of a data leader is in the IT function. And that means actually the tech stack that we've got is pretty good. I'm not I'm not worried about the tech stack come in and like, okay, it's actually a really nice shiny tech stack. I'm not going to worry about this big migration project, which I think is really hard to show ROI on. Like, okay, I'm going to move from on-prem to the cloud. Like, why? You know, I don't have to worry about those debates, which was a, a big thing at MG, for example. We got kind of lots of legacy stuff. I guess the second thing I touched on it and the benefits of the CDO role, but the partnership piece, you know, one of the things that you'll hear about, you know, when you go into a CDO is like line out to the business strategy. And line out to business. Right? What's the business trying to measure? It's trying to go for X percent growth. Or it's trying to tap into this market, whatever. You don't really have that. There's less of a direct, well, less of a directive and more of a directive in a way. There's not a central directive. You know, there's the values of the firm. And yeah, we're trying to go for growth. And yeah, we're trying to watch margins. We're in a difficult market, et cetera, et cetera. But it, ultimately, each partner will have their plans for growth on their area. Yeah. And so if I took that and had 200, OKRs and KPIs that I need to tap into and 200 partners that I need to go and be responsible for, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's going to be really difficult. So I think that presents a really unique challenge that you wouldn't have a a FTSE or a kind of large organization with a more concentrated exco, if you like. Um, So we've, we've started to tackle that. That's part of what's fed into the strategy about federation and empowerment um, and really going like really, really strong on that. Um, because we know that we're not going to be a central function that can deliver to 200 businesses, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, those would probably be the two big challenges I think we're, I kind of was aware of through that process and facing to as I joined. Nice. Okay, fair enough. That makes uh, that makes sense. And, yeah, oh, I mean, the partnership model is, is interesting. I mean, we do a, a lot of work in the advisory space and with other kind of professional services type organizations and the partnership model a lot of pros and and some cons because as you've outlined you know there are effectively as many mini ceos as there are partners right they've all got their own ideas their own plans their own trajectories etc so i guess and obviously we we appreciate you can't you know give away the the whole kind of secret sauce here um but in terms of what the plan was for the first 100 days can you kind of just give us a broad brush of this is what i was thinking about and trying to achieve yeah so uh, absolutely so i think first 100 days i think naturally when you get offered the role you almost start before day zero you're starting to think about the organization and for me i was moving from financial services to professional services it was a different kind of beast and i started to think about that and read up about what's happening in the industry and project everest that was happening with ey that got called off the other day so all those sorts of things i started to kind of tap into just so i knew maybe the big macro topics that people are going to be talking about um when i joined but i think i broke down the first 100 days into four chunks really so kind of four phases it's not super linear and kind of a waterfall process but i wanted to understand the business and by that i mean understand how it's structured identify who are the key stakeholders what are the things that they care about 
start to understand maybe um, early views on who's a real big supporter of data, who's like, leave me alone, this is just a painful thing and then to get involved in data management or data governance and I'm doing my own analytics um, versus people who are neutral and on the fence and, you know, who's got the influence and those sorts of things. I think, I think you need to start to understand that. Through those conversations, you start to get into well, what are the goals or the OKRs and the measures of success. And again, in a partnership, that's quite tricky. But there is one unifying thing. Clients is the thing that you care about and how do you offer them your service lines? Yeah, so kind of that, that's the thing that feels great. So you start to identify those things and the unifying factors for a partnership. But at a FTSE, you might say, yeah, here are the clear OKRs and the goals. And you want to start to understand like how do, do all the different teams understand how they roll up to that? You know, are marketing able to communicate really clearly with the CEO about how they're contributing to the growth plans and what KPIs and OKRs they're using to measure their impact? So you can start to get into that and it gives you this view on a bit of maturity and where you can maybe help out. And then I think the third one, which is really, really important, I think lots of CDOs get wrong, I think, or, you know, even admittedly, when I go to lots of kind of conferences and meetups, people say, I actually got that wrong, is about building rapport and relationships. Like, don't go in like a big bulldozer and just be like, oh, I'm going to change everything. I'm the new CDO, especially the first CDO, and this is how we do things. Like, just take time and listen, understand what the business is trying to do, where the appetite is, where there's a bit of a fight, you know, just just try and build that stuff. I think like a the bit of advice that I got when I was really junior is just like be easy to work with. I actually think that's probably the best bit of advice I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Like, just be easy to work with. There's no point making yourself difficult or you know, people get nervous about getting on the phone with you. Just be easy to work with, make things as easy as possible. Um so that's the first block is like understanding the business and the stakeholders, what it's trying to do. Then you want to understand the kind of data technology landscape and the capabilities within there. So when you think about tech landscape, it's like, okay, what are the big core systems that this firm uses? Yeah, what's your ERP system? What's your CRM? You know, what digital platforms do you use? Obviously, it depends on the business, but where are these big things that really you know are going to have all, they're going to have a lot of the core data that you're going to need to understand? Understand what your data technology landscape looks like. I think sometimes we blur that, you know, the kind of data tech, that data platform. What's there? That's the, I used to describe it as the kitchen at MG. Like, what's the tooling that you've got in your kitchen to make the meals with the data? So start to understand that. Is it Azure? Is it AWS? Is it Google Cloud? Uh, have you got lots of on-premise kind of legacy stuff there? What, what does it look like? Is it, what tools can people use to access data? Is it, you know, asking someone to pull out an Excel file for them? Is it, they've got direct access through Looker or something like that? Then there's the data estate itself. You know, where is the data? How do we define it? What data does the organization actually collect? Do we have any view on quality and lineage and all of those things? Um, so starting to build out that picture and then the people piece, you know, and I, and I think people's an interesting one is where are there people who are doing work with data? And I think one of my early lessons at BDO and moving from a director of data, I've got my remit of a data team moving to cdo where actually it's less of a managing function and it's about owning data for an organization as a domain is about it's not just about going how many data scientists we have how many data engineers do we have and what's that central team look like it's about that team in marketing how many of them can use things like google analytics or adobe analytics and what do they do there and how many how many people around the business can are capable of kind of building out their own dashboards on on power bi or tableau or something you know, how many people are really comfortable with Excel? You know, it's so just starting to look at people in, in the main. It doesn't have to be data in the job title, but where where do data skills exist across the organization? What does that look like? So that's going to be really important. So that's the kind of as-is data tech capability landscape. Then I think about culture and kind of that operational piece that I talked about from. So how and where in your organization are decisions made? You know, both at a macro scale and a micro scale, where does it get made? What's the type of, you know, what are the conversations that happen around decisions? Is it like, I've made this decision. Can we get some data to back it up? We're kind of like justifying things with data or are we genuinely going like, okay, the aim is growth here. What does our client 
base look like? Where do we think growth could come from? Okay, we think it can come from here. That's interesting. Let's go test that. And let's test that through marketing and through operations or whatever it might be. So I think starting to get that view on how where decisions are made and both at top down, bottom, bottom up. By this point, I think you've, you've maybe got a bit of a view on supporters and detractors and that sort of thing. I think I kind of hear this term quick wins. I, I really don't like it for a CDO because quick wins should be something you could deliver without a CDO. CDO is big strategic transformation. Let's, let's get this journey underway. I mean, don't hold back wins. It's not like slowing down the wins. Release them as soon as they're available. But don't get distracted by looking just for quick wins. But I think if you've got someone there who is a supporter of data and they, they know they've got some stuff they want to do and you know, they're almost committed to like business change, like that's a hard bit. It talks about that value chain at the beginning. So again, if I have this information, I can take these actions off the back of it, jump on that, you know, get build that relationship, focus on those areas. And use that as kind of some of your cases to prove value across maybe your detractors or the people who are a bit more neutral on data. So you're trying to build up that picture. And then I guess the other stuff is around how does the organization see data management and data ownership and data stewardship? Um, lots of people sort of say, well, we, you know, we don't do data management because we don't have a data management policy or a data policy or whatever you want to call it. It's not true. You are doing data management. You're just not doing it in a coherent and aligned way. You're, you're touching data every day. Everyone in every organization is really. You're either creating it, moving it, storing it, you know, whatever it might be. So is that done in a way that's lined up and with analytics and data value in mind? Or is it done, this is how I work. This is just, it works for the system and it gets me to send out the right email. So uh, I think I think that's the big culture piece. And I think once you've got those three blocks, you kind of understand the business, what it's trying to achieve. You understand the tech landscape you've got to work with, the data estate that's there and the quality of that, the people and where the skills are across the business, whether it's really centralized or federated, whether it's big or small. You understand where and how decisions are made and who's who's got your side already just naturally, who's a bit, who needs a bit of convincing and how data's actually thought across the firm and managed. Then you get into vision strategy plan because it's informed i think those first three bits are important and that's the big chunk i think of the 100 days going in and going i'm going to do what i did at my last place because it was successful probably won't work if it does you kind of got lucky um or you've got a great plan please share it with me but the you know you need to know what's going to work for your firm um, before you start looking forward. And I found that pivot for me happened at about sort of 70 days in, I think, 70, 80 days. I started spending more time looking forward. Interesting. Yeah. And and I guess because um, you, you do see and hear a lot about, you know, you start with the business strategy and then you build out, you know, your vision and your data strategy mm. off the back of, of that. Um, and I guess as you've um, pointed out there, the, the the risk with that is that you're creating a strategy based on what you think the business might want, and it very might want that. But if you're not in a position to be able to execute against that because you don't have the people or the tools or the influence or the support or whatever, it becomes uh, you know you're trying to you're trying to deliver on something that you're just not going to be able to deliver on, right? So I guess you're, yeah. you're taking a, a back to front approach in terms of let's assess what we have at our disposable. And then we yeah. can look at how we how we make an impact. It, exactly. And it all rolls up, like I said at the beginning, to that mandate. I think, you know, the, the ultimate job of a CDO is to get value out data for the organization. Like that's just bottom line. To do that, it can't just be about analytics. It can't just be about data governance and management. And it can't just be about those even if you do both of those things, it's not just about that. It's about everything you know how does the business make decisions where does it make decisions how do you encourage evangelize excite people about the use of data because otherwise you can build the fanciest algorithms the most informative dashboards the biggest you know the best predictions the most accurate prediction but if your sales team goes you know and i kind of generalize with the you know not talk about bdo but if your sales team just goes well actually we're we're autonomous and we let each of the local markets decide what they're going to do you know you can build the smartest thing in the world it, no one's going to use it. You're not going to get any value from it. So I think that understand the business and then understanding where and how decisions get made is, is really critical. If you want to think about data from data insight, action is kind of the pillars that people talk about quite a lot. The action bit is the, you know, think about the change that needs to happen around that. You, you don't often have control of that if you're just an analytics team. In fact, you don't, you know, 
you build it and you show some artworks, so you spend more of your time convincing them of like why we think it's going to be accurate, and then we leave it with them to figure out how they use it. So yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, the, so I want to want to pick up on something that you said um, just a little bit earlier around the, the concept of of quick wins, and I guess given that you're so you know still quite fresh into the the role um we've had many people on this podcast and people that have written books on this topic around you know getting value out of data analytics initiative and commercial benefit and so on and so forth and um i think it was randy bean on we had on the podcast mm-hmm. who talked about the kind of the disconnect right between this notion of quick wins but the length of time it takes to get value from these initiatives and then the tenure of the cdo which is kind of like you know this is like a three-step process yeah. here and that the tenure is never long enough for any really meaningful value to uh, be achieved. So I guess just keen to understand, was there a conversation had when you joined or through the interview process around this really is what the first hundred days should look like. And I guess then tackling the expectations around what the wins would be, how quick they would be, you know, this whole conversation that we are dominated by now about ROI, right? Um, Was there any kind of upfront dialogue about, well, this is what we should expect and when we could expect it? No, not not particularly. And I think that's a good thing from from BDO. I think BDO recognised, you know, where we were as a firm with data. So there's definitely, you know, we definitely want to drive value from data. We definitely want to get into that. We, But there's a, a good appreciation that there's a journey to go on there. And I think that's really important. You know, if you're going into a job or, you, you know, you're thinking about taking a CDO role or a senior data role, you know, you're kind of working out through those conversations. What are they expecting here? Are they expecting a miracle worker? Yeah, some kind of unicorn. Or are they expecting someone who can deliver transformative change? And I think the 18 months for a CDO, I think, is interesting. Part, part of me wonders whether it's because CDO roles are relatively new and it's kind of like the glass is still filling up. And every year it seems to get a little bit longer. And I think that will keep happening. You know, lots of CDOs are still in role. There's more CDO roles happening. So I, I think that tenure is going to increase um, just with, with time. It might plateau at something around two, two and a half, three years. Um, but I think, you, you know, you wouldn't do it with other C-suite level roles. You know, you're not going to go to a CIO, you know, if you haven't changed the business with technology in 18 months, then you're out. You know, I don't, I don't think that stuff happens. So I think a, a big part of it is around, you know, that journey piece. And if you've got a strategy, I think what quite often happens is you have this strategy and you have this North Star and it's like something like AI everywhere or something, you know, something that everyone gets really excited about, a bit of a Daily Mail headline. And then you've got, okay, and yeah, we're delivering this dashboard for this business as part of the project and here it is. And yeah, you know, but people can't see it. Between that's really foggy, you know, between the vision and that big North Star and between what you're doing today is really, really foggy. People can't see it. So I think comms and excitement and sharing the roadmap and being really transparent with the organization helps that um one of the ways that i start to think about it particularly as prudential kind of before we move merge with mg was i kind of gauged it on the types of questions the data team would get when we first joined it was how do i know that number's correct yeah how do i know that's right mm, i'm not sure if i trust that you know, how, how, because there's another thing over here. We did it in Excel and it looks like that. So how do we know that's correct? And that was always the debate. Within a year, it changes about, okay, yeah, I need more. I need another dashboard. I need another report. I need you to help me understand this problem. And for me, that's a really nice thing that says we've changed the way we're thinking about data. It's not just you crunch a number and I'll challenge you because I'm the business. It was you're delivering stuff that's really useful for me and it's allowing me to either go get funding for part of the digital transformation or whatever that's that if you can tell that story in the right way i think it's an exciting thing um and gets people on the right page i think the other thing is about um kind of process like prioritization and kind of structuring things there so how do you decide what analytics cases you take through yeah because there's going to be loads and like don't don't just say yes if you become a data team I think it happens more in IT than other areas. Like, if you're just taking orders, building this dashboard, you're not really in control of the value there at all. You're just taking orders, and then 
if that's your mandate, then you can't control the value piece. It's not part of your mandate. So, whereas if you can, you can decide and you're the sponsor of the program, whatever it's structured, you can say, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We don't believe it's driving that value. We're going to do this thing instead because we can prove that value. You know, make sure that you're doing things that you genuinely believe can deliver value. If that's a three month, six month journey, fine. If you can do it in two weeks, great. Do it in two weeks and deliver it. That's going to depend on the case and where your company is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, f- I find what you just said there quite fascinating about, you know, being in control of the value drivers because mm-hmm. I think the, the big gap that I see in the industry and and i've spoken about this at length but you know i talk about the the whole elusive cdo role right Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of data leaders looking for it and there's a lot of on paper cdo roles or data senior data leadership roles but actually the ones with the mandate where someone has the direct influence to impact the value that's created Mm. are generally fewer and further between than we probably realize, you know, and the challenge is obviously yeah. the business businesses look at this and in most cases tend to go and hire people on the premise that they want an order taker. They don't realize that's what they're asking mm-hmm. for, but they eventually yeah. get along, you know, and people can come along and say, well, that's not really how you should be doing it. And they can give the best advice in the world. But often yeah. what happens is that they just go along the line of people until someone says, yes, takes mm. the job they then become that that order taker and then 18 months later the business comes yeah. with their hand out saying okay and where's the value and it's like well that person was never going to get to that point because exactly. they never had the influence to do it right so it's a really really fascinating kind of place we're in but i think as you said that's that's a maturity thing at this point i think organizations slowly but surely are starting to realize you know how yeah. much of a mandate this data leadership role, whether it's a CDO title or otherwise, really needs to have across an entire organization. Exactly. And it's and it's the what table do you have a seat at? You know, if you're on if you're on the technology forum, yeah, and that's where you're getting most of your information and that's where you're going to get maybe your funding approved, then the CITO's going to the CEO to get the money, then you don't you're not at the right table to be able to to truly own it. Now, if you're comfy with that and it's understood by the business that the CIO is going to take a big uh, acceptance and responsibility for that change, then fine. And you might say that I'm comfy with that. But what you can't have is that big disconnect, which is right. It's all on you to deliver that stuff. I don't think I would quite put it like that. It's on you to deliver value from data. You're the CDO, but you're down here, you know, senior manager type stuff. And you, you know, you're going to, you're going to tell the CIO or the COO what you want. You know, you've got to, you've got to be at the right table. You've got to be having those conversations. If you're going to have that accountability, I think making sure you get that is really important. Um, Yeah. 100%. 100%. So obviously you talked about the first hundred days and the reasons why you prioritized what you did and et cetera, et cetera. What then comes next over, you know, the next 12, 18, 24 months, whatever the case may be? How do you then prioritize versus, you know, what you found out in those 100 days and then how you move forward? So I think it's, I mean, it's going to vary obviously by firm at that point. So you're going to, your your role is going to be, you're going to be in delivery mode. Um, and that, and, and, and obviously you're going to be thinking about, you know, whether your strategy needs to change and you might review it kind of six months every year or so but i think i i still think about it as establishing and setting up the right delivery vehicles for you to to enact and execute on that strategy so it's execution time now and for me um what we're what we're doing at, at bdo at high level is we've got a program which has been prioritized by the operations board that is about getting value for the firm so firm-wide value from data and i've made sure that i'm a business sponsor on that so again on that part of being able to say no and driving what use cases come through that okay well i'm i'm a key sponsor on that so i've got some ownership and accountability around what are we going to do within analytics for the firm great so we've got that kind of delivery vehicle and within there it's about how do we set up that process for prioritization how does it flow through to the team what technology stack are we building it on how do we approach it? Is it kind of this project versus product mindset? All those things you're going to work out within there and you're going to build that kind of excitement with the team and 
um, whatever's needed in there for your organization. Then you've got this kind of data management, data governance piece. And again, what's the delivery vehicle for making change happen within the business where data's owned and where it's collected and where it's stored? Yeah, and so how do you get the right people around the table? We've got a data governance council and we're starting to get people kind of really sort of dialed into why it matters. And in on that, I suppose, as a slight aside, we've gone away from this idea of like, okay, this is a data risk forum and we're just going to measure data quality and we're just going to think about access and security and those sorts of things. This is the this is the council that should be identifying where is their value that we can't get at in our data across the organization? How do we fix that? Either by making access secure and available, improving the quality of that data, improving the understanding of that data. So flip it on its head so it's value-focused. Yeah, don't try and clean all your data, then, then try and get value out of it. That's going to be expensive. It's going to be painful. People will give up. Go, I can do that if we just do this, and the council can drive that. Um, then there's kind of this kind of data culture program piece is the third um, kind of big pillar. So again, it, it all lines up to that mandate, you know, delivery of value, the big delivery program, you know, managing liability, unlocking value from data, data governance council, data culture, getting data as part of the operations, data culture program. So that kind of top to bottom, roll up, roll down through strategy, what are the steel threads? You're just in execution mode on that. And then I think the other bit is, you know, start to be, it becomes difficult because you can have lots of conversations. But I think this kind of ad hoc general support, that be easy to work with thing. If someone is in the business and they've got a question, big or small, try and make the time for that. Try and make the time for that because you might find something in there that's really interesting. Even if you don't know who that individual is because it's a huge organization, they've reached out to you. They've thought, okay, that's it. the CDO can help me. Data can help me. That's a great thing. You need to kind of leverage on that, all these positive nudges. So I think once you've got your strategy and you've lined it up, work out the, I call them delivery vehicles, but how are you going to execute on that? And I try and keep it as focused as possible because data is, it can be a big wild west. There's lots of stuff going on. Lots of people are going to come to you, help me with this, do this, let's do that. This is important to me. This is important to me. You've gone to the board. You've told them what you're going to do. You've agreed on the focus. Um, time to deliver and put, put the blinkers on to some extent and just, just get going with it because that's how you're going to deliver value and be able to go back to your C-suite peers and say, this is the ROI that we've delivered on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of you know having that kind of value-driven approach and you, you talked about the mandate being, you know, we need to get value out of data. That's the that that's the the overarching mandate, right? Was there ever kind of tangible figures put around what that might look like, should look like, could look like? Yeah. Or yeah. I, I think it's a good thing to do. Um and I think it's also it's I, I think if you can get to the maturity with the board where it's understood that the number is a target, yeah, rather than necessarily a measure of success. Then that's a good place to be. I think that's the sign of, a, of an organization that's a bit more mature with data because it can understand that it's a part of the journey. Um, for me, you know, we're building out this is the first CDO role, the first data, uh, the data leadership role at BDO. I've said that, you know, I want to establish that chief data office function. And within 12 months from that point, we deliver a million pounds worth of tangible value. And that delivery vehicle that I talk about is what we align to that. Now, that's not actually a lot of money. It sounds like a lot of money. It's not a lot of money to drive. And we need to think about how we make that attribution and things. But that's the sort of thing that the target focuses the mind of the board, you know, and of yourself and of your function, but also kind of everyone who's part of that program or business or in technology or a data team. They go, okay, well, how does that contribute to that million pound target we've got? Yeah. yeah and it's just it's like a cultural thing a lot of the time i think that's where it helps the most it's like if you get a million pounds great if you get over a million pounds awesome if you get if you fall just short you know you still made loads of progress that you've never made before and that's a good thing so yeah we did that i took it to the ops board actually last week and it was you know that's the it's the numbers get people excited you know got somewhere going to go after oh great let's do it so i think definitely try and put a number on it but accept it's a target rather than a measure necessarily 
yeah no and i think that's really uh really good insight because um i think that ha- having that having something tangible to work towards is what kind of sharpens sharpens the focus and you know you can everything can as you said fall off of that right you know yeah. so because i think what we see in a lot of organizations is that everyone talks about being value driven but actually the way they operate isn't value driven because you know you've not got that kind of one common target you you know everything the comms the language the narrative everything can fall off of that to focus mm-hmm. the mind on why we're we doing this what is the value how does it contribute to that target whereas yeah. when you don't have that it's a little bit harder to kind of exactly. take people on the journey right exactly that i was about to say that how do you build excitement across the firm about what data can do if you're going this is really great look how awesome it looks and what was it worth what did it do what did it change and i kind of see that when you have lots of conversations and i think again if you're like interviewing for roles and things like yeah i run a team of 75 people that tells me nothing about value it tells me everything about cost you've got probably quite an expensive team you know and even if you're junior and you're going into data science or engineering or whatever like what value have you done like everything is always about I can use this technology and I've been part, I've managed this many people. It's like, okay, I mean, that, that is good. Like, that's good experience. And it shows me, it tells me something about you. But the biggest thing is, are you the person who can help deliver value from data? And have you done it before? And do you think about that as an important part of your job? If you do, awesome. Thank you. Come and join me. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely well look I'm, I'm conscious of time but i've got um a, a kind of i guess dual-sided question here to finish on so obviously we know that you know the the data movement is happening right every organization on planet earth is doing something or even more than they were yesterday for example with with data so if if there's business leaders out there listening to this podcast and they're thinking about you know right we, now might be the time to think about bringing in a CDO or our senior data leadership figure, what type of things would you encourage them to think about before they go and make that decision? And then on the flip side, what advice do you give to people looking for that role? Yeah, okay. So I think for for business leaders, if you're creating a CDO role, ask yourself why. And answer that question without using the word data. Yeah, so, so don't do it because everybody else is doing it. And don't do it because I want to get more value from data. But don't, that's not enough. Do it because you think data is really important to how you're going to grow your customer base. Because it's really important in how you're going to build new products and services for your clients. So, so what's your business thing? What makes you think that the CEO role is really important for that? Yeah, it, it, either that or you've got someone internally who's talking about it and you trust them and you back them and you give them that license to shape it. I think I think that's another way that you can do it and I, th- I think that's a fine way. So I think that's probably the first thing is thinking about what it actually means and why. I think the second thing is, and we've talked about it through here, is like give them the mandate, like give them the mandate and let let them actually do it. And if you don't understand it, that's fine. Like, if that's the case and you want to understand more and you feel like you need to, get someone who's great at that part of it, who can explain it and can talk to you about it. Because if you don't understand it, you know, to its full extent, probably a lot of your business doesn't. Someone who can communicate things really nicely and articulate the vision, remove that fog that I talked about earlier might be what you're looking for. So you'll start to identify the right person for your firm. I think if you just, if you just work out the why without using the word data is, I think, a practice that could be fun. Then, for individuals looking for that role, I guess the first thing that's on my mind is like, there's going to be more and more. Yeah, so they are very popular. I think at the moment you get a CDO role that comes onto the market. And I mean, you'll know this better than me, Carl, but like how many applicants? I don't know, probably like 100 in a few days. It's like, yeah, great. I want to do that. I probably haven't read the, the JD. I just want the CDO role. Like, don't worry about it. There's going to be more. You mean more and more. I think it's going to be a massively emerging role. It's that's what it's been over the last few years. I'm sure you can add a lot of weight to that. Um, so, so don't rush into one. Get the things that are right. Don't think about the title. Go, that's great. Think about the mandate and the remit and what table you have a seat at. If you've got the mandate that lines up to the things that you think you can do, you've got the skills, you've got that experience that you think is exciting that you think allows you to deliver value with data. I'll talk through what I think it is from my perspective. You might line up to that. You might add other things into it. Um, I think make sure you've got that and then work out 
the seat at the table. And the reason I say seat at the table rather than who you report into is I think reporting into is just an indication maybe of what seat at the table you have. It's not necessarily the answer. You can do a good job if you report into the CIO, for example. So you're going into a senior role. I found in my experience, the more senior you go, the less it matters who you report into. You're accountable. You are doing the data stuff. You're expected to drive that. So don't worry necessarily about that. Ask the questions around it if it raises a bit of a flag for you. But, you know, get deep into that and understand it through the interview process and you'll land the right role. And then more importantly, you'll be a success when you're there. Nice. Well, what a great way to finish. So, uh, Denham, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. We appreciate you uh, imparting your wisdom in the first hundred and odd days of your uh, of I'll your reign. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to see how it all uh, plays out for you. And um, yeah, we'll uh, speak to you soon. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Bishon Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Bye.